Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. That was Energy by Peter Ho. Before that was RGB by Yoa Sobi. And you're listening to Asian Pop Nation here tonight. I'm the executive producer of the show, Senya. I'll be joined tonight by none other than Celeste, JP, and Leisha to talk everything Asian pop culture and music related, including how Filipinos have took to social media to protest a certain national dish. We'll also be talking a little bit about Crunchyroll and their latest market research findings. And of course, we've got an interview with none other than Ashwarya, who's here to talk a little bit about her newest EP, Nocturnal Hours. So you don't want to miss a thing here in Asia Pop Nation, but we're going to jump back into the music because we know you can't wait for Minoy featuring Locos. I can't wait. Keep it here on Sin. This is Asian Pop Nation. We just played a row of three back-to-back songs. The first one was Mi Noi featuring Loco's I Can't Wait. After that was Hu Liu Shou Liu and their song Yao Yin. And the song you just heard was Monkey Magic's SOS because something that we definitely needed help and rescuing from when I was younger was to be rescued from my parents' wrath when I'd forgotten to cook rice. But that might be a problem no longer. But here's the team to talk a little bit more about that. So... A video on subtle Asian traits went pretty viral recently. It was a Chinese advertisement for a self-cooking rice cooker. So a rice cooker, it basically comes equipped uh, with rice and water storage containers. And basically, you can cook rice from literally anywhere at any time. So it's connected on your phone. You have a little app, you press a button and then boop, it uh, cooks rice. And apparently it also like washes the rice for you too. So it washes the rice beforehand and then it cooks it. Uh, would anyone here buy this? Yes. I don't yeah. know how many times in my childhood I've forgotten to cook the rice. You know, oh, when your wow. parents are working and yeah. like, cook rice for dinner. And then they come home and you're like, you haven't cooked rice for dinner. And it just ruins the entire night. Yeah. Disappointment. Exactly. It's not being a disappointment when you don't end up becoming a doctor. It's a disappointment if you end up forgetting to cook the rice that's the greatest shame yeah or forgetting to bring out like the meat to defrost on the counter yeah so definitely would get it yeah i honestly like i feel the same way for the exact same reason of just like i just i'm like you know how many times this would have saved me in my like like 21 years of existing by like (laughs) my 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 childhood like especially in my childhood life of just like my parents being like i'm, I'm coming home at a specific hour you better have the rice start co- like be cooking and i'm just like like what on my computer playing like club penguin it's just like this would have saved me so much yeah of, of, of my life <laughs> <laughs> so, saved a lot of arguments mm-hmm. yeah celeste does, does this sound appealing to you I think if I was to like move out and live on my own, that would be great. Because then, like, oh, if I'm yeah. at work, I'd just be like, "Yep, yeah, just press it to get it ready." Oh, like, wow. by the time I'm home, it's already done. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, it'd be nice to have like dinner already cooked for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, who needs like a what like a partner or something in my house like preparing meals wow. for me? I could just have an automated little robot doing everything for me. This is a sign of like hell coming soon to the future (laughs) we just become so dependent i don't mind i don't mind this future (laughs) god man we're gonna become machines we won't need humions anymore Ah, that's how it is but you john paul 
have you ever had bad experiences for getting to cook rice um no because i don't cook rice that much but hmm, let's see it would be convenient to have this but i'm also worried that like if the machine malfunctions like you tap your phone and you're at work or whatever and then you come home and your house is on fire you know, <laughs> you know like you have no control over that so i don't know i'm, I'm a bit uh 50 50 on this yeah, yeah. a bit skeptical yeah but what I want to know is, I remember watching the video for the rice cooker, and it says it washes the rice for you, but yeah. I didn't see it. <laughs> it didn't demonstrate that to me in the advertisement, so I'm a bit skeptical for that. But Secret yeah. feature. I'm, I wonder if there's other settings as well, so in case you wanted to make, like, brown rice or, um, oh. like, porridge. Mm, porridge? Yeah. Rice porridge. Yeah. Okay. Who yeah, knows? That would be cool. I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, it was, everything was in Chinese. So I had no idea <laughs> <laughs> what, what the options were. So <laughs> that's okay. I'm sure if there's enough demand, we'll find one here in Australia. Yeah. One of you mentioned uh, having dinner cooked for you, like when you come home. Would you, can you imagine something like this being expanded to other sorts of foods? Oh, isn't there already like robots that make omelets? And whoa, what? Yeah, is there? Hold yeah. on. Yeah, um, I remember seeing there's a place in Japan, one of their hotels. Like they have, you know, they have the um, buffet, little restaurants for breakfast and stuff. There's a uh -huh. robot in there that makes an omelet for you. Whoa. Yeah. Like, what does the robot look like? Does it look like a person? And they're like, nah, you know, it's robot just like chef. a. A robot arm, so it's uh -huh. like, similar to what you see building a car. Yeah. Right. yeah. Except it's an omelette, not a car. Yeah, they just hold, have a pan in the arm and it just flips. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Dude, That's cool. Like, do you get here. to choose like what's inside your omelette? And it'll cook um, it for you. I don't remember. All I saw was just like it flicked a bunch of vegetables in there and <laughs> put some uh, like egg oh in god. there and then that was it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's sick. I think I would buy that because I really like omelettes. Like, I don't even care if my house goes on fire. <laughs> the double, we already got double standards with like. Yeah. There's Wouldn't a higher you want thing. rice more than omelettes? Exactly. Uh, you can for it to be worth eat, it. Yeah. You have to eat omelette exactly. for every meal. All the rice, time. Yeah. Exactly. Rice is so versatile. Yeah, rice is <laughs> it's like a base thing. But like, I like omelettes enough that I would eat it all the time. So. Wow. Yeah, it gives you protein too. Man, come on, build those muscles. Ooh. Surely you can use that robot for making pancakes as well. Like similar. Ooh, yeah. Or like making stir fry. If it, <laughs> all you need to do is just like toss it up. Yeah. It's like getting an air fryer and then just working out other ways of using it. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, imagine this, like a franchise of these automatic cookers. So you have the automatic rice cooker and then you have the this fried rice cooker but then in order for that to work you need to buy like an additional you oh. know meat adder or whatever they oh. could make a lot of and money like a, it's this. like this long contraption yes where, it's oh. like legos you got to stick them together and then they uh and then they make a meal for you wow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> once for meat once for vegetables and then once for like rice or noodles and then yeah. boom you got your yeah meal. Okay, investors, you better be listening to this. We have a lot of investment ideas here on the show. Yeah. 
this is a this is what the show's all about, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but if you want to buy this rice cooker or any sort of cooker, let us know on the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> That was a triple threat here on Asian Pop Nation. The first was Alan and Elle's Promise. After that, we played True's Music. And the last one we played was Us by Moon Jong Up. And how do you spell us? Well, you spell it with a U and an S. And we're now going to be talking a little bit about the US and how they had troops stationed in Afghanistan that were playing Pokemon Go, of all things. But we've got the team here to talk a little bit more about that. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw this article on the news saying that U.S. troops at a military base in Bagram Airfield in Afghanistan left behind a trail of Pokemon from Pokemon Go, the smartphone game. And a news outlet from the U.S. military said that the game was quite popular among the people and soldiers stationed at Bagram. And it was sort of used as a mean to like socialize and relieve stress during their time deployed over there. But since the U.S. has been withdrawing from Afghanistan. They've actually noticed a few low-level Pokemon defending their gym locations for a longer time than normal. And a soldier deployed at the base back in 2019 said that he kind of wanted to return one day to reclaim the gyms if the situation in Afghanistan improves and said, and I quote, I'm sure somewhere in Afghanistan, some kid is bragging about how he took control of an American Pokemon gym. So I want to know, like, how far does Pokemon Go stretch? Is it still a thing? Because I don't know many people or see many people playing it anymore i actually never played pokemon go i think you can still play it yeah i mean correct me if i'm wrong i open it up every now and then just to see what pokemon i haven't got and it's just like somehow there's some new pokemon at my house and i'm just like (laughs) that's the laziest i've been but it kind (laughs) of reminds me of this thing that happened to me where i because i was in korea i went to the dmz so if you don't know what that is it's like that border between north korea and south korea and there happens Uh to be a gym there i left one of my pokemon in that gym and it was there for like a good week before someone decided to kick it out whoa what is a pokemon gym though like how does that work so the way gyms work is that you can put your pokemon in there and so there's three teams is like the red team the blue and the yellow <laughs> i forgot their names All already right. <laughs> if the gym's empty whoever puts pokemon in there um and they're a specific team that team claims that gym and so other teams can like take over that by like battling that gym and trying to kick other people out it's a whole Ooh. process oh that makes more sense now okay <laughs> yeah. so it's like a massive game of i don't know what it's called but there was this game we used to play in primary school where one team had to flip cones upside down and then the other team had to flip them right side up and you would just like scramble around for a good maybe five minutes and then at the end everyone would count how many cones were flipped upside down and how many cones were flipped right side up and then whoever had the most would win (laughs) is it like that (laughs) where like whoever like worldwide if there's more red gyms does that mean that they're technically in the lead is that how it works well there's no leaderboard but (laughs) i know that red and blue are the most popular and yellow it's kind of like the hufflepuff (laughs) Oh, <laughs> you're the Hufflepuff color. So. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember back uh, a couple of years ago, I used to go to the local library a lot just to study. And I would always see, since it's next to a park, just a bunch of people like walking around on their phones, just trying to collect Pokemon. Yeah. But they're not there anymore. I mean, obviously, for <laughs> obvious reasons. But... <laughs> Must be hard to play Pokemon Go during COVID 19 pandemic. Anyway. 
<laughs> for those who are still playing Pokemon Go, but we've missed you, just let us know how it's going, especially when the world is all locked up in their homes. Uh, let us know, uh, Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd like to know whether any person in near Bagram Airfield has reclaimed that Pokemon gym left by American soldiers. We, we'd be interested. You're tuning in to Asian Pop Nation. We just played a row of three back-to-back songs. The first one was Before I Stop by Boy Graduate. The song after that was Shi Hsin Wang and Dona Lee's Behind the Window. And the last one we played was Priya Raghu's Kamali. And speaking of South Asian singers and musicians, we've got an interview now with none other than up-and-coming Melbourne artist Ashwarya to talk a little bit about her latest EP, Nocturnal Hours, that has been absolutely dominating our airwaves here at Sin. So give it up for Ashwarya. Welcome Ashwarya. Thanks so much for talking to us here at Asian Pop Nation. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me on here. Oh, it's our pleasure. So Celeste and I are really excited to be interviewing you, but I guess first things first, we already know who you are, but for those who are listening who may not know, can you give us a little bit of background information of what you would like them to know? My name is Ashwarya and I am an artist from Melbourne and I have loved music for all of my life. But I decided to take it as a full-time career and I was—I actually released my first single last year in the middle of the pandemic in July. So I guess you could call me a bit of a COVID artist. Well, not anymore. And <laughs> I've been lucky enough to still be doing it. So it's been one year down the line and I got an EP out and yeah, that's a little bit about me. <laughs> My introduction to your music was through the song Biryani and I really loved how you used a culturally significant food to express love and you've mentioned bringing your heritage into your music and we'd love to hear more of that like as someone especially who isn't well acquainted with South Asian culture could you explain more about the process about incorporating your heritage uh, through both lyrics and sound? Yeah for sure I think for me it was more of a natural thing to incorporate into my music rather than intentional. So it wasn't like I thought that I was going to make a bilingual track on the EP. It was more so just kind of like reflection and a bunch of like ideas that I had in my head and inspiration that I had from growing up around Bollywood. And that played a huge role in the music that I listened to growing up. Just by watching film, there's a lot of song sequences. So now when I listen to music, often I would find correlations with Bollywood music and be like, oh my God, this song actually sounds like a song that I've heard growing up. And I actually realized the other day that Toxic by Britney Spears, <laughs> the sample is like from an old Bollywood song, which blew my mind because now it makes so much sense. But it's crazy how much different music overlap over different countries, especially in pop music. So back when I was making Biryani, when I was listening to the melody, I was struggling to figure out how I wanted to write lyric to it. And then I was like, oh my God, I could literally just sing this in Hindi because I can speak Hindi. And that's kind of how it came about. It was very quick. It just happened. I put it in the mic. It just worked. I know that you recently dropped your debut EP, Nocturnal Hours. And similarly, we just kind of wanted to know what was behind the name Nocturnal Hours. What was it about it that seemed to encapsulate what the EP is about? The fact that I spend so much time during the night coming up with ideas and also just like thinking and overthinking initially it was more of a negative thing like I, nighttime would be quite a 
negative aspect of my day because I, I would have all these negative thoughts. But I actually had the song Psycho Hall as a catalyst for the name of the EP Nocturnal Hours because I wrote that song as a result of being able to overcome obstacles of like anxiety and just negative thoughts. And there was just common themes of that throughout all the singles post Psycho Hall. And there's themes of darkness and then there's the power dynamic between like having, you know, these negative thoughts, but then also using it to your strength and trying to overcome certain things in your life. So I kind of just got a massive notepad and early on and I just like wrote down the themes that I wanted to talk about. I did a bunch of like little doodles and then I was like, okay, Nocturnal Hours is going to be the name. It just works and it kind of represents the whole EP for me. Yeah, so I really loved how you've got like different themes for each song, especially since you've released a music video for Love Again to announce the release of your EP. And I just wanted to know, compared to your other more vibrant songs, Love Again sounds very emotional and bittersweet. Could you share with us why you shifted the overall tone of the EP, I guess, with the song? Yeah, I mean, Love Again is just the type of song that I initially didn't even think that it would be something that would be on the EP. It was like a track that was at the back of my mind. It was never at the forefront of something that I would put out purely because of the fact that it did feel quite daunting to be so vulnerable and raw and stripped for the first time in front of in front of listeners. So I kind of felt like I needed to put that out there personally for me as well, but also for people to, to see that side of me. I wanted it to feel fleshed out and I wanted it to show the different sides of who I am as an artist so not just someone who's making songs like Psycho Hole and Biryani but also the side of me that jumps on the keys and writes a ballad so that that was why and also I think that song is one of the my most favorite songs I've written just because of the fact that it was quite a journey to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. now speaking of sort of favorite songs on the EP generally do you have one song maybe that's a favorite to perform or it had similar journey to write to perform i think my favorite song is psycho hole it's an absolute dream to be able to perform that song because it like got all the tempo changes and the energy just goes from like here to here and the whole song is like a roller coaster and for me as well it feels like a roller coaster so like on saturday night when i was performing that song it was the last song on the set list and i could feel like oh my god it's about to end like I can't believe I want to do this again. So that's definitely my favorite song to perform. In terms of my favorite song that I've written, I think all the songs are my babies because they're all just part of my very first body of work. And because if I removed one from the rest, it wouldn't be the EP that it is. So yeah, I think they all hold a really like important place in my heart. So speaking of performances, you performed at the TOF in Melbourne on the weekend and I believe it's your first ever show? My first headline show. Before that, I was doing support slots, but to be able to do a first headline show was was surreal. Were you super nervous? I was honestly just super just ready to go because yeah. for artists, it's been so tough, as you guys know, in COVID to perform and do live and so many things have been cancelled or rescheduled or, you know, last minute, it's just like you can't do it. So I think all of us as artists are more ready than ever to jump on a stage and perform because it's like we are deprived of it. 
and it's what fuels us and gives us the motivation to continue being creative and continue putting out music for our listeners so for me it almost felt like my birthday and I was getting a bunch of presents but yeah honestly like once I'm on that stage there's like something in me that like gives me this adrenaline high and I honestly never want it to stop yeah it came in just in time as well since the lockdown was a bit of a scare so (laughs) just in time and You previously mentioned how you've kind of grown up with Bollywood music and that singing and dancing when you were young was commonplace. So will we be seeing you dancing on stage in the near future? Honestly, I'm just like the kind of person that just likes to do whatever on the spot. If someone gave me choreography, I think my brain would just be like moving parts all across the stage and people be like, what is she doing? I think I'm best when it's just in the moment. But yeah, I definitely do whip out a couple of moves on stage, which people probably witnessed on Saturday, but it's usually just like in the moment. I'm not sure if I can um, follow proper choreo. If I do, it will probably have to be a lot of me having to train even in my music video for Psycho Hall it was pretty much improv the whole way. So speaking on terms of like the future where do you hope to take your music career next? I just want to continue to write music that is very much true to how I'm feeling in that moment and I don't want to kind of predetermine where it needs to head. I've definitely already started writing a lot more for the next project which I'm really excited to share with people but at the same time I'm a pretty firm believer that I don't like to always be super intentional about what I'm writing until I am in you know in that space and I know that this is what I want to make um because sometimes it creates these boundaries for me if I've prepared something well in advance and then gone and recorded it it feels almost like it's forcing something which doesn't necessarily work for me it might work for other artists but I'm a huge improv person so I love to continue improvising with melodies and lyrics until I find the right the right moment in the studio or at home yeah absolutely and for our listeners who'd like to know more about you and sort of what your next body of work or upcoming performances will be where can they find you on social media um, you can find me at Ashwarya. So it's just my name, A-S-H-W-A-R-Y-A with three H's on the end on Instagram. And then it's Ashwarya Music on every other platform, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all that and YouTube as well. I'm just really excited for people to hear this new EP. I think there's something in there for everyone, hopefully. And yeah, I have shows coming up fingers crossed very soon in Sydney if not it will need to be rescheduled again but for the moment next one in Sydney well, thanks so much Ashwarya for talking with us it was lovely chatting thank you so much thanks for having me this is Senya from the Asian Pop Nation team thanks for tuning in tonight you just heard three awesome songs from Asian artists including Ashwarya and a song from her latest EP Nocturnal Hours called Psycho Hole after that was Ren Hao's Come and Be My Love. And the last one we played was Ren featuring Maisie Peters' One Last Try. Because one film that they're trying to get money out of one last time is Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. But the team has got quite a few opinions to make out of this decision. So take it away, team. It is with much regret that I am announcing this, but Bong Joon-ho has confirmed that a TV series adaption of his 
Oscar-winning film Parasite is in development and will be directed by um, Adam McKay, who has directed The Big Short. I've never seen that before. Has anyone seen that? I've seen The Big Short. Uh, is it good? Have I got high hopes for this adaptation? It's actually quite good because it's about the global financial crisis and it kind of focuses on the people who predicted it would happen and how they tried to make a fortune out of it. <laughs> So it kind actually, of fits. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but it's a bit different in tone to Parasite, that's for sure. It has like Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. Quite a quite a big <laughs> cast. <laughs> just, just... <laughs> I don't know why. That just gave me up like, oh. <laughs> But it's, yeah, like I could see maybe how it could be good, but I've never seen any other Adam McKay films aside from The Big Short, I don't think. Well, it says Bong has been talking to Adam all through quarantine, working on Parasite into a television series i want to have high hopes but i just don't have them. <laughs> i don't know how does everyone else feel does anyone actually care or <laughs> it could be good or it might not be who knows is this going to be like a completely original story or is it going to be like an adaptation so apparently it's not like a remake but it's an own original story set within the same universe so Ooh. whatever whatever universe yeah. that is like normal yeah. world, yeah, normal <laughs> South Korea world. But that's I the guess. thing; it's not in South Korea, is it? It's like America, in the US, yeah. United States, yes. bro. I know that Bong Joon Ho is still the producer on the TV series, but if he's giving it the all clear, surely that's a good sign, right? Oh, hopefully. Just like, I have mentioned this like before, but I'm just like concerned because it's just giving me like Avatar throwbacks. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's giving me the throwbacks where it's like the original creator is like, yeah, I'm so down for it. And then like a month later, it's like, guys, news, we're not working on it anymore. And then it turns into like a whole quote quote drama moment of just people being like, oh, it's going to suck now pretty much. And I'm, I'm scared. I'm worried it's something similar is gonna happen, but you know, optimism is key. Maybe not. <laughs> like I personally haven't watched. I I know I'm like the last person on the planet that hasn't watched Parasite, but I think from like Celeste's sorrow, I I feel the pain. I'm feeling the pain. <laughs> Any other thoughts, or shall we just <laughs> be sad and move on? <laughs> Mourn about it in our own time. There's a (laughs) quote that I keep to heart regarding these things. High hopes, low expectations. That way you're cushioned, whether it's good or bad when it comes. I have hopes that it might be good. United States, I mean, everyone's like, oh, Americans suck and stuff, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, but like in terms of the whole political field of the United States, there's a lot to work with. And especially with Parasite's themes of like class. I mean, in any story where a poor person like completely rips off a rich person. Oh yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, (laughs) it's always fun. Could be good. But it's funny how this is, it sounds like a ploy to just make more money out of this. (laughs) Is it anything in this world we live in? Everything is just for money at the end. Yeah. Oh well. (laughs) Guess it's the world we live in. Oh, that's pretty meta. Having a parasite of all movies doing that, you know, just think about that. So for those listening at home, if you're excited for this adaptation of Parasite, let us know on facebook.com forward slash Asian Pop Nation and on Instagram and Twitter.
Hey, this is Asian Pop Nation. Thanks for tuning in here on Sin. The first song we played in that row was a request from Matthew, and that's Happy Anniversary by Happy Anniversary. After that, we played a song by Rong Hao Lee called Free Soul. And the last song we played was Passive Nature featuring Lexi Liu's Gone, because something we thought was gone after we flush it is our poop. But that's not the case for this South Korean university. But we've got the team here to tell you all about the gossip. Professors at Ulsan National Institute of Science and Technology in South Korea have designed a toilet that converts your poop into power. Specifically, it converts the methane from your poop and it turns into a, an energy source. There's a little vacuum in it, a small amount of water. It sends the poop from your toilet into an underground tank and bioreactor to power all the stuff in your building. Apparently, the students, whenever they use the toilet, they're awarded 10 units of ghoul. It's like Bitcoin, but not really. It's a digital currency. They can use that currency, ghoul, to buy stuff on their on-campus market. Wow, isn't that sick? You can power the house with your poop. It's crazy. Would you find it weird, though? Like, you're buying your food for tonight. From your poop. Yeah. No. That's like bonus, <laughs> y'all. Like, the fruit goes in, comes out, and it comes back again. It's, it's the circle of life, yeah. Dude. <laughs> what That's about if you cool. do a number one? If you like go to the toilet and then mm. leave your urine, does it just do nothing? You don't get any money? Me- methane only comes from feces, right? Not yeah. Cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. they haven't gone that far yet. <laughs> <laughs> but they will. What would you buy? <laughs> With your poop money. <laughs> Like, would you have it installed in your house if you could? Surely. Yeah, anything to get things cheaper, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine, like, get solar panels and the poop <laughs> generator. It's very eco-friendly. This isn't the only strange thing I've seen in terms of, like, converting power. Did you know in Japan, especially in the Tokyo stations, they convert your footsteps into power? Yeah, I've seen electricity. that. Have you seen that? Yeah. They have these special, like step plates and whenever people step on them whoa electricity happens so yeah i don't know i'd buy it as long as it has a bidet you know oh yeah bidet (laughs) yeah it has to have a bidet all right here's okay another investing opportunity i don't know where this is going okay (laughs) imagine imagine you have someone who owns a bunch of public toilets right but these public toilets generate this power and it also generates school imagine how rich you get from all these people pooping in your toilets <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> this entire conversation i just i just feel so out of it <laughs> like that makes it easier for like if you have you know an upset stomach you happen to get like diarrhea surely you get more money right because you're sitting yeah. in the toilet <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god this could get really dark like imagine restaurants intentionally like causing people to have diarrhea oh so they can generate more ghoul. This is so not. Absolutely, I just feel like the further we go with this topic, the more I feel right. nothing but pain. Well, we're. I'll stop myself here. If you, this is the most time. I if don't you, the viewer, have any ideas on investing on this electricity generating poop let us know on asian pop nation facebook twitter and instagram we want to hear your thoughts we want to get those investors in let's make that google <laughs> is it just because-
become like a show for investment opportunity. <laughs> yes, it is investment now. Let's go. <laughs> You're tuning in to Asia Pop Nation here on Sin. Thanks so much for giving us your time of day, or in this case, your time of night. If you caught us just now, we played a row of three songs. The first was FIR's Splendid Dream. After that was Ash Island's Carabino, produced by Groovy Room. And the last song was Millet's Ordinary Days. And a place that is certainly not ordinary every day is a particular housing building in Singapore that hosts... Nerf combat games. So we were really interested in this one. It's like our childhood dreams coming true. But our team is already ready to say everything that they have to say about this topic. Now, imagine you're walking out of an elevator in a public housing building in Singapore to find stacks of cardboard boxes, furniture, and guys with Nerf guns. This is just a regular Thursday evening for those who are part of the Problem Solving Club, which is a small training group that was started when a martial arts trainer in Singapore and his family was challenged by some ex-military friends to play a game of paintball. And to increase their chances of winning the paintball game, they decided to conduct tactical training in their public housing building with Nerf guns. And on the landing outside their apartment. So this was started ages ago, but they have tried to teach life values through defense training. And despite, you know, having small nerf wars outside apartment blocks, the group hasn't actually received any criticism from neighbors. Instead, the martial arts trainer who started it to the group said that they've kind of been regarded as warriors or guards of our neighborhood. So quarantine, not quarantine activity, <laughs> you know, lockdown Bro, activity. That sounds so sick. <laughs> if only I lived in like an apartment complex in Singapore, but no, I'm out here in the suburbs. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's quite yeah. a wide space to be plague and nerf gun war. Yeah, it's perfect though. I remembered when I lived in Singapore and I lived in um big buildings. My favorite memory from Singapore would just be like walking around on the balconies and just looking out at that stuff. And yeah, it's a really good environment for nerf training. It's like seriously, <laughs> oh my god. Is military service required? Yes, I think it so, is. Yeah. Yes, you need to do it. I don't know if it's for both guys and girls or if it's just guys. I think it's just males. It's not yeah. compulsory. Yeah. 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 I, I think that's the reason my dad moved me out here. <laughs> he didn't want me doing military training. But yeah, good to start early with these kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're actually predominantly adults or reaching adulthood. Oh, really? Yeah. Would anyone sign up? <laughs> If I lived in that apartment and I had to go to work, I came down and thought I'd be like, oh, sorry, work, I'm going to have to call in sick and then I'll just go and join them. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun though. It'd be weird though for someone who's coming out of the elevator and just get caught in the crossfire. <laughs> You'd have to keep your own Nerf gun on you for like self-defense in case you get caught in the crossfire. Like undercover and you yeah, got your yeah. gun in your purse. Yeah. You know? well, it's not like a digital game where like you can just pick up random guns here and there. They're just like lying around. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, look, a loot chest. No way. Oh my God. <laughs> we turned the whole apartment into like, yeah, the whole video game setting. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be great. <laughs> It'd be cool if we did like every apartment floor had their own like oh, battleground and you had to get to the top. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and they all have different themes and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. So cool. 
Uh, what if you did like a whole territory control thing, right? Like each floor was their own team. So every and you floor have to try and like expand other. your territory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man. Imagine the military strats. Oh my God. <laughs> it would be cool. Shame we don't have Nerf guns and we don't live in an apartment complex. No, <laughs> we do not. But if you want to become a warrior or guardian of the neighborhood, you can let us know. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. If you have an apartment complex, let us know. Thanks for tuning in here at Asian Pop Nation. We just played three songs, epic songs from Asia, with the first from Dean Fujioka and his song Runaway. After that was The Boys and their song Drink It. And the last song was Summertime by Heartfelt featuring Kim Hyo-yoon. Because some places are always in perpetual summertime and one of those places includes the Philippines. Because we're now jumping towards the Philippines because of something that was brought up which caused a little bit of controversy. In the Philippines... A few people have took to social media recently to tell their trade department to leave their adobo alone. So for those who don't know what adobo is, adobo is like a stew made of meat, typically pork, chicken or squid. And it's marinated and simmered in soy sauce and vinegar. And there's a lot of variations, but generally in the Philippines, it's considered a national dish. But I think the Department of Trade has decided to set up a committee of chefs to come up with like a standard recipe for the national dish and use it for international promotions. Now, some people were a bit skeptical and joking that their kitchens were going to be raided for using the wrong recipe of adobo. And some have asked the department to like keep an eye on the prices of basic commodities like food instead of focusing on, you know, making a national adobo dish because we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. But I just wanted to know, is this a good thing? Do you think this is good to just like make an, a national sort of recipe so that when you are advocating for people to come to the Philippines, you know, here's, here's an adobo dish. This is what it's like. No. This is where totalitarianism starts. <laughs> restaurants nationwide getting raided by the adobo police (laughs) (laughs) have they actually gone forward with this already or is this like a work in progress it's not meant to be enforced in all the restaurants but it's meant to be Uh, like say if the filipino government wanted to help produce like a national cookbook uh, so that you can send it to countries and it's like this is filipino dishes yeah you should try them come to our country Oh, like when, I guess, consulates invite people within that region to come in to experience a specific culture. That could be a thing where they have the recipe there. Mm, I see. So yeah. it's more for outsiders rather than yeah. actual Filipinos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but is that the case? Like, you know, when you try something from like China, like Chinese takeaway is not exactly right, yeah, they all taste not, the same there. I don't know. I've never gone to China and eaten Chinese food, so I wouldn't know. Yes, Chinese food, it varies here and there, but like there's always that same look of a dish. And I guess this will be the same case as adobo. Sorry, adobo, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, adobo. Yeah, yeah. Like it'll be like, it'll be variations, but it's the same sort of dish. And also like with Korea, kimchi is the most iconic thing. And mm-hmm. there'll be variations, but essentially it's still kimchi, right? Yeah, the soul of it's still there. Yeah. I don't think there'll be too much harm doing this. Yeah, I guess makes it consistent. Yeah. There's a committee of chefs doing this then surely it's going to be good (laughs) yeah hopefully what do you think Leisha would you prefer them keep the diversity I guess maybe it's because it's like you know you said it's more for like international promotions so it's more for like outsiders who are looking into like the Philippines and all stuff I guess it's 
fine. Like, I don't know. I'm just thinking about like, you know, every country in the world, like China, for example, and all it's like each specific state or like region has their own unique twist to like one local dish. So I guess it's just like, I don't know. It's just like, I, do those kind of get left out of the like tourism marketing scheme or something? No, no, I, I no. You, yeah. you advertise it as, this yeah. is what it kind of tastes like, but it's better in this region. You can't replicate it, but you oh, can yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's the case. Yeah. I, in the, I've seen like several maps of the Philippines. Like here is the local specialty in this region. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you are mad at... the Filipino government for standardizing this popular dish, you can let us know. Or if you want to just say, you know, it's okay. Or if you want to know how to make my mom's adobo dish, I can, I can let you know. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to try. But yeah, so let us know at Asia Pop Nation, at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But JP, what did you say your mom typically uses for adobo? Uh, mostly pork, I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Mm. yeah, so... We, yeah, maybe we can make we can have a, like a jolo eat off or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, let's go. This is Asia Pop Nation on Sin. We just played three songs. The first was Alamat's Kazmala. After that was Lions Mowang Yu Yongju, or The Devil and the Brave, loosely translated. Don't quote me on that. And the last song was Minzi's Tiamo. And speaking of Korea, since Minzi. is a girl band from Korea, we're going to be talking a little bit about a Korean cosmetics brand that has been breaking some records here in South Korea. So take it away, Alicia. Switching into more of the beauty side of things, a Nigerian woman who goes by Grace Okafor has become the first black woman to start a beauty brand in Korea. Woohoo! She's apparently moved to South Korea back in 2015 to complete her master's degree in international business. And I guess from like her life experience um, from living there, she came across a lot of glaring holes within the Korean beauty industry of being able to find Korean beauty products that actually cater to her skin tone. And she saw that hole and decided to close the gap between Africa and South Korea by creating Dr. Geo Cosmetics, a Korean beauty line targeted towards Black women and women of color as well. And currently it is new and like up and coming. So the customer like amount is quite small, but it is definitely growing and So far, it seems to be mainly focusing on Black expats in South Korea, international customers, as well as darker skin Asians. So I guess I want to pose, like, what do you guys think about this whole thing? I mean, did you know that there is like a gap in like South Korean beauty products at the moment with it not really catering so much to darker skin tones? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I didn't know it, but like, it kind of makes sense, you know? Not many dark-skinned people in South Korea, because, you know, all of them are Korean. So good that they're doing that. I think it's also nice. It's a nice counter to colorism, because often in Asia, you find a lot of emphasis on being paler or of a, a whiter skin tone. So hopefully having this is a strong, like, stand against that kind of mindset, that it's okay to, to be beautiful in your own skin tone. Yeah. I uh, actually, like, a couple of days ago, it just got recommended to be, out of the blue so kind of like a coincidence I guess I 
saw this video by this content creator. Her name is like Miss Darcy. And she actually got some of the products from Dr. Geo Cosmetics. And yeah, she made like really good points about like, especially how even though most of Korean people do tend to be more in like a lighter skin tone, South Korean beauty products still for some reason, I guess like, especially when it comes to like cushion foundations and stuff, sometimes it's like the max shade you get. It's just like three to five shades and that's it. And to me, I'm like, I feel like the average cream person you won't just fit into like that three to five like quota there's like a whole thing about like undertones and cool tones and stuff like that when it comes to like your skin color and stuff like that so like it's just crazy to me that I guess to me from how I see it it's kind of like the very minimal shades that South Korean cosmetic brands provide kind of perpetuates more of like a beauty standards of mm. Korea rather than actually trying to cater to the general Korean public type of thing. Interested to see like what you guys think about that as well. I find it interesting like what is it about Korean beauty products that have such a high standard? Like you know it's going to be good if it's from Korea. <laughs> <laughs> I know I mean it's in the same way that Japanese cars are really reliable. It's just the standard. It's just yeah, the expectation. That's just the industry they have there I think. Yeah and Like you see a lot of Korean celebrities have such lovely looking skin and that's probably why. Mm. Like when you said, Alicia, about Mm -hmm. having like a small range of skin tones or like Mm -hmm. foundations for that, it's very normal walking around in Korea for people to just wear foundation two shades lighter than the actual skin color. Mm. Yeah, oh, so it's just like a normal yeah. thing. My friend had to do that. She's a darker skin tone to me. She had to wear like whatever the darkest they had and it wasn't that dark and it yeah. was okay because it was just a normal thing. Does it look strange or if you do it right, it kind of just seems like your face is a bit paler than the rest of your body? Uh, it just seems like your face is paler than the rest. But uh-huh. because it's such a normal thing, people don't really care that much. That's interesting because I'm not sure I haven't looked into the history, but I wonder why it's called Dr. Geo Cosmetics. Like, because that's not the creator's name. It's not Grace's Okafor's name. I'm not sure. Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it seem credible. I guess what's so good about this woman producing foundations that like have a wider range of shade is that um, there are black models within South Korea and they've also complained about makeup artists not knowing what to do with their skin tone because they don't have the foundation for it. So solutions they've had is to bring their own sort of foundation to combat that. Otherwise, the makeup artists would like just get eyeshadow and try and match it towards the skin tone. And they've said that like that's so bad for their skin and like they look so bad during the photo shoots and stuff that they're like not bring my own foundation so yeah Yeah. if you are i guess like excited about this new brand or maybe you just want to talk about i guess like korean beauty you can let us know at asian pop nation on instagram twitter and facebook This is Senya from Asian Pop Nation. Thanks for listening in tonight. We've just played three songs. The first was Queen Wasabi featuring Changmo's J-Park. And after that, we played No Tomorrow by Sea All Star. And the last song you heard was Jan Lam's Uncle. Because something that not many uncles may know is anime, which is a big thing that we talk about on the show. In fact, a lot of Gen Zers actually know about anime. That's something Crunchyroll has recently found. But we've got all the details on that now. 
So, according to Crunchyroll, and in case you don't know who they are, they're an anime and manga licensing and distributing company. Uh, they've found that only 6% of Gen Z people don't know what anime is. So that's what they found uh, regarding their research. Out of the general population, like just normal people, only about 27% of people know what anime is. And uh, Crunchyroll, they looked at these numbers and they find that this is a pretty good reason for expanding into adult targeted animation describing anime as a visually engaging way of presenting content across every genre uh so according to their head of global partnerships uh, they say anime encompasses almost the entirety of the media landscape within a singular art form and that people use anime beyond the screen to signpost things about their own personalities and that the youngsters know what they're doing and they're into it yeah youngsters I, I wrote something wrong in the notes. It's only 27% of people who don't know what anime is. So I'm sorry. Oh, just a correction. Almost oh. <laughs> 27% don't know. Yeah, oh. but that's still like one in what, almost a bit one in four, one in five people. Yeah. Oh, anime so is taking over the world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this I guess, yeah, JP, did you have something we wanted to? I wanted to ask everyone. This is the utopia I've been looking forward to. <laughs> the I've reign, been yes, the reign of anime shall prosper. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to make of this. Anime does see- <sighs> remember when anime was like a weird thing? Yeah, oh my god, yeah. I do because yeah. oh my god, I used to get roasted all the time in school right. just for yeah. saying like like oh guys, like there's this really cool fight I saw in like Naruto, and they're like Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> being Yeah, you used to be bullied for that sort of thing. Exactly. Back in school. Just, exactly. And if you don't time that you like you have to go to the internet, just be like like finding little niche groups. Yeah, like anime have, anime was considered niche back yeah, then. You'd have to go to YouTube to find like these scuffed clips of Naruto and then yeah. it'd be like episode one, part one of yeah. like twenty. Yeah. It was like, oh, <laughs> what a pain yeah but now it's uh it seems to be everywhere um yeah i don't know do you think it's gonna stick around for much it's longer cool now. i think yeah. so i've got a feeling people are more into it now because of just the sheer exposure mm-hmm. you've got a lot of series now that are popular worldwide and that are really good entry points i think for people mm-hmm. who aren't really that knowledgeable but are willing willing to try but I found it interesting that they said that people use anime to signpost things about their own personalities. So Oh, I see that everywhere. I remember yeah. when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, you go on the internet and people are like, this is my anime profile picture. And then, <laughs> I don't know. That's what they do. How do you choose do. your anime profile? Like, is it a picture of yourself as an anime character? Or is it like, this is my wife, <laughs> my husband? Oh my, <laughs> it depends. It's up to you. It's up uh, to you, really. Yeah. Mm. Is it still like you know how it's it's not much of a personality trait to say like you like bubble tea? Is that the same with anime now? It's like <laughs> you know, like yeah, how you, yeah. <laughs> there's certain things that people always say is like a fun fact, and then it's like a fun fact because it's not really a fun fact anymore because everyone kind of likes it. So yeah, it's not unique same. anymore. So that's <laughs> oh, the tragedy God. of it. It's mainstream. Mainstream media. No, we're hipsters. <laughs> we, we're, we're totally in the niche because there's a radio show that we're on that talks about. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Asian pop culture, yeah. You know, but you know, honestly, I don't think anime is even the only thing to receive this sort of thing. Like, I remember K-pop and stuff. That wasn't all that popular back then, but now everyone's into it. Like, whoa. And like K-dramas and such, you know? I mean, yeah. like Celeste, when when did you notice the rise of K-dramas and K-pop in general? Um, I remember my mom buying knockoff K-drama stuff from uh-huh. like, you know, the Chinese vendors and stuff like back yeah. in China. And yeah, she'd bring her home and that's my introduction to K-dramas. But I didn't get into it until after I left Korea because I was there uh-huh. for like five weeks. And then, right. like, that was just, like, a deep dive. <laughs> yeah. oh. And in regards to K-pop, um, I knew it existed, but I didn't know anything about it until, like, my friend and I in high school, we joined the K-pop club as a joke. Uh-huh. One day, and we're like, what the hell? And were you converted and it's not a joke now. Yeah, and then, that was back in, like, oh, was it 2012? And then I didn't get into K-pop properly until, like, 2018, and I'm like, uh-huh. well, crap. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Remember Anime Club Drop Four back in high school? Oh my god, don't talk about that. No, it, was, it was good. It was, it was, it was cringe, bad. dude. Cringe. I, I know I feel like that's the stereotype I hear all the time. Like <laughs> anime clubs are kind of like cringe city, but I don't I choose not to believe it. I'm, oh, they still are. They still are. <laughs> but you know, there's a certain charm to it that I can't deny. Yeah. Uh, I think oh, it's man. it's just a lot of fun to watch like anime in large groups because if it's a funny one like i think i remember watching jojo for the first time at anime club oh yeah that was, and that was just hilarious just having everyone like <laughs> laughing at the same time yeah it's a lot of yeah. fun it's, a, it's such a dumb show and that's what makes it so good <laughs> to watch with other people uh, but yeah i've i'm i'm noticing that there's just seems to be a very a very big rise of asian media in general like everywhere like we already have anime and anime's happening but china's jumping in on making anime too like they're making a bunch of cool stuff too so like who knows man who knows yeah, yeah. um so if you're excited for the continued <laughs> prosperity and reign of the anime kingdom let us know on asian pop nation <laughs> facebook twitter and instagram uh all hail anime am i right nah k-dramas sorry (laughs) all right this is where wars start let's go Uh, we we need we need south asian stuff now Hey, you're listening to Asian Pop Nation. The first song we played in that row of three songs was My First Stories, Kokohaku, or Confession. After that was Ganga's Whiskey Bottle. And the last was The Ninth, You and I. Because now it's time for just a little one-on-one talk with you and I, you know? Because now it's time for your favorite discussion of the week. The one thing that you've all been waiting for, we know it, that is our weekly tanka. Now, if you don't know what a tanka is for any of our new listeners, it is a form of Japanese song or verse with a 57577 syllable pattern. It's a bit like a haiku, but longer. And we just use it to summarize what we talked about during the week. And we've been doing it for a while now, since one of our special themed shows. So here it goes. We hope you're tuning in. And we'd love to hear some of your tanka as well. After you hear my brilliant one, <laughs> rage over meat dish. We chat with Ashwarya. Toilets turn lights on. Gen Z knows of anime. Parasite becomes TV. Yeah, I think you can beat that. 
we have faith in our listeners. So do let us know if you have a weekly chunker that summarizes what you got up to this week on our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. But now we're going to just hop into our last song for tonight, and that is Peggy Gore's I Go, because it's time for us to go, I'm sorry. But if you really liked the show tonight, also let us know on our social media pages. You just heard them earlier, and if you missed out on any of our discussions, you can also listen to them on our podcast, wherever you stream your podcast. So our lucky listeners, aren't you? Got all of the content, wherever you need whenever you need it. So thanks for listening. On behalf of the Asian Pop Nation team of Celeste, JP and Leisha, as well as myself, Senya, we'd like to wish you a good night and to also hopefully hear from you next week. Until next time, this is Senya signing off. Thank you.